Welcome back to Have a Cuppa Unmasked, a podcast dedicated to beating the stigma of invisible illnesses. This podcast is designed to raise awareness of invisible illnesses, but also bring comfort to those people like myself who have an invisible illness, from mental health all the way through to chronic conditions. But we can't do it alone. So please do share this with your friends and family to help us beat the stigma together. But for now, grab a cuppa, sit back and enjoy the latest episode. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of my podcast, Have a Cuppa and Must. And today I am so excited to be able to introduce to you the wonderful, amazing, travel inspiring human that is Katia. Hello, hiya, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thanks, you're right. So do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about who you are? Because um, people might not know you as Katia, they might know you know you as positively chronic travels do you want to just let everyone kind of know who you are and and um and and what conditions it is that you have mm-hmm. um so yeah my name's katia i'm 26 um, and i'm from london um and i'm a content creator i used to work in film production i'll go into that into a little in a little bit um and i've got multiple chronic illnesses actually um i was diagnosed two and a half years ago now um and so i'll kind of list uh, the conditions, they're hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome wow. um, or HEDS, um, which is a connective tissue disorder that affects um, joints, um, they constantly sublux, um, but it's kind of the collagen which is everywhere, so yeah. symptoms are super widespread, um, POTS, so that's kind of like dizziness and nearly fainting upon standing, sometimes oh, like spacey, um, chronic migraine, um, also atlantoaxial instability which is basically neck instability which causes the chronic migraines and that again oh, gosh. is kind of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome basically um lots of allergies kind of mast cell issues which um it's kind of like a triangle with EDS pots and then mast yeah. cell issues they kind of come like hand in hand <laughs> mm. um fibromyalgia and then chronic mm. fatigue so um, just again, a few then. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like to keep them all, don't you? <laughs> really oh, greedy. <laughs> yeah, so greedy, damn you. Um, <laughs> don't want to share. Um, so so was it a case of um, just kind of going back to, because um, for those that have listened to the podcast regularly, we like to kind of go right back to the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So you've only really been diagnosed quite recently then. So what, what was it that um, kind of made you think, you know what, something's not quite right here. What sort of symptoms were you were you facing? So I've kind of had symptoms all my life, but they were mm. very like unconnected by the doctors. Right. Um, so kind of like piecemeal visits with separated issues. Um, and I think for me, what kind of brought everything up and kind of led to the point for me to get diagnosed um, was I was working in the film production company, which I was mm. mentioned earlier. Um, and I worked there actually for three and a half years, um, but it was stress basically. Mm. So I was working in a role that they later divided into seven. Wow. <laughs> um, so, I know. <laughs> so I'm such a perfectionist, um, a massive people pleaser, and I like yeah. couldn't really say no. Um, so I was always kind of saying yes to everything, but also the bosses were quite toxic. Um, yeah. And after just five weeks of working, so I finished uni, I did a psychology degree 
psychology degree. Yeah. Um, I went to this film production company, worked for five weeks, and my body was clearly trying to tell me something. My appendix ruptured. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I was off for a month, kind of unpaid sick leave. Um, oh, wow. Then a month later, I went back to work. Um, but then I was in so much pain, basically... I had to have another laparoscopy to kind of see what the issue was because of EDS. Yeah. Um, there's issues with the, the scar, kind of scar tissue healing. So yeah. So cruel adhesions, if you've heard of that. Yeah. Um. So, but then, so I had those two surgeries, finally went back to work after I'd kind of recovered. But It's I a great way to start work, isn't it? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Just pop in for a month, pop out again. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Um, and I wasn't given any advice for physiotherapy afterwards. Oh, wow. Um, and obviously I didn't have a diagnosis of EDS, so okay. I might have been advised better if I had. Yeah. Um, so over those three and a half years, kind of gradually got worse. I was like working really long hours, like very little energy, mm. um, little to no energy for self-care. Um, and I think after about a year probably of all of these, maybe of not doing like much activity or anything after uh, the surgeries I got this chronic daily migraine I'd always had migraines but it kind yeah. of was like absolutely excruciating couldn't yeah like, move um and that was undiagnosed for eight months um but I felt like I couldn't stop working I actually got promoted yeah. at the time so I was oh my sitting at work with my head in my hands like trying to deal with clients managing like 45 projects like it was just <gasps> it was I, I just, yeah, I just didn't want to stop because I didn't think I could and I didn't know what yeah. it all was and I was, I, I'd never heard of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It's quite yeah. like, um, it's only I think more more recently kind of mm. been made awareness of. Um, so yeah, eight months after I'd had this chronic daily migraine, um, my coccyx, I think it was like the summer now, so maybe like June, July, mm. uh, my coccyx subluxed. <laughs> wow. Um, which is like a partial dislocation. And Ouchie. from that moment, now it like wiggles. <laughs> um, oh my so gosh. Like, so you've got a tail. I literally have You a have a tail. Have There's a positive to everything. Well? No, I haven't. No, they ha the, the, he has a tail in that. So I always There you go. <laughs> See, you're a unique human. You have a tail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but I kept walking on it. So for about three weeks, it was so excruciating, like really, really inflamed, like sciatica down my legs. I kept walking on oh it. Oh my gosh. And um, did you know at this point? I didn't know what Ellis Danlos was. Right. I was just like, oh, I don't know what they could do at A&E for me. Like, this <laughs> just like... Yeah, just got um, a wiggly tail. <laughs> yeah. But then my hip, both of my hips came out. So one <gasps> came out and then a few le weeks later, the other. It was like partially oh, coming out. Oh my so gosh. Like, grating to walk. Um, so you were literally like a Lego man that had just kind of started to slowly <laughs> disintegrate. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of going, hang on, yeah. I just want to stick my leg back in and, yeah. you know, stick my arm back in and all this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And obviously, I should have been resting, but yeah. it was so painful. But I just continued walking on it. So, And, um, and what made you continue walking on it? Was it that sort of determination to yeah. kind of, I don't want to let this define me. I don't really know what's going on. I want, mm -hmm. or was it that sort of... Um, if you're anything like me, having work is something that I can kind of use as an excuse to kind of really focus on so that I don't have to deal with my problems. <laughs> I think maybe both, but also just, I just thought, like, I didn't think anyone be, would be able to explain it. I had no mm. idea what it could be. I'd always kind of been ignored in the past from, like, medical stuff, so I was just yeah, like, I have to yeah. continue. And then finally choice, yeah. it just 
got to the point that it was just I was like I was literally in tears at work and I was like look I've got to go and get this yeah looked at. I mean your so, hips literally came out so yeah. you know <laughs> and I, I couldn't walk or anything so I started like working from home told my bosses mm. like look I can't walk I can't come in I can continue from home were they quite um, understanding um or were they a bit sort of difficult like they they were understanding because they had to be but then they kind right, of yeah. gave me a bit of a hard time mm. um kind of thereafter they did change my role they kind of um someone else I was like doing all the admin stuff but he yeah. was like, the client facing one I guess it's um, difficult for them to kind of prepare for this because like businesses mm. aren't aren't used to this you know you you didn't even know what was going on so yeah. how is a, a business supposed to kind of understand and I, I get that businesses are very sort of business minded you know they need to make of money course. clients and that kind of comes first but actually they need to look after their you know, they they really need to look after their employees, yeah. otherwise they're not going to have any clients. <laughs> of course, and I think working from home at that time, this is like two and a half years ago now, um, obviously now with COVID, like working from home, everyone had to adapt, and they did. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was kind of a bit of a harder process to get mm. them to kind of understand it's completely invisible, like yeah. it looked fine, but yeah. they're like, well, are you even making this up? I kind of I really had to prove myself to my bosses. So you got a bit of stigma from that, sort of like people just yeah. kind of going, oh, are you just trying to be lazy? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think it was hard for my colleagues as well to understand. Yeah. I was working at home, I think for three months, then I started going in one day a week. Right. Um, And then for about another year, I worked there. Um, from home, completely yeah. apart from like going in once a week or so. And so it must have been quite hard to like um, kind of gain friendships and that sort of thing within the workspace because did you feel sort of quite disconnected from the mm. work as such? Um, I mean, I was actually, until they fully changed my role, maybe like nine months later, because then I went from like project manager to editor, Mm. Um, I was actually on the phone all the time and like speaking to everyone because I was oh, nice. kind of very much like involved in organizing everything in the office. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I think I mean I also had already been working there for a couple of years. Yeah. Before this yeah. happened. Um. So not so much, but I I'd say maybe like keeping up with friendships. I was difficult. Struggled yeah. There, yeah. Um, just because of like low energy. Um, yeah. It's difficult to plan things and stuff as well, mm. isn't it? But then that kind of leads me on to, to what it is that, you, you know, most people might know you as, which is positively chronic illness travel blogger. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a very yeah. that was a very fumbled way of saying it. I apologise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so kind of where did that come from? Um, Apart from the obvious, you know, with, with all your chronic illnesses and stuff. Where, no. where did that idea come from? Um, so I'd always kind of wanted to travel. So my aim was like to, I worked, I think for three, did I say, yeah, three and a half years. Yeah. But I think I was aiming to only work for maybe like a year or two and save and then quit my job and go traveling with my partner. Oh, nice, nice. Um, so that was kind of the aim and then chronic illness kind of, and kind of Got day annoyed. management of it kind yeah. of pushed it back. Um, but when I was diagnosed, I wasn't really sure if I'd ever even be able to travel. And I was like yeah. looking on blogs and stuff online for somewhere that would just tell me everything that I had to do to go. Yeah. And like, I couldn't find that. So obviously I was working from home for like a year or 18 months, I think. Mm. Um, and every single evening I would just like be researching. I love um, that. For our travels. And um, 
because obviously there's so many factors to consider yeah um and obviously like changing kind of the way that we traveled and um so yeah we ended up going in December 2019 mm. and I think when did I create it about a year literally about a year ago now because you have so many followers already so it you know it clearly is something that um you know people really want and need and and actually even myself you know until I I I literally stumbled across your Instagram page. I had, I didn't, it wasn't even something that I thought of because I think the thing with getting chronic illnesses and especially invisible illnesses is you, or I don't know about you, but for me, I, I literally felt like I was put into a box of, okay, your life is now limited. Yeah. You can't do this. You can't do that. There's so many rules. People mm-hmm. won't understand. You're going to be lonely. You're not going to have very good friendships because you can't, you know, it's exhausting having to constantly explain and finding those people that do truly understand, which is, you know, partially where this podcast came from, because I want to try and beat that stigma Mm -hmm. so that people don't, people like us don't feel so limited. But, you know, that I love traveling, but it was one of those things that I just thought, okay, well, that's just something I can't do. I'm just going to have to accept that. I, I didn't, you know, even have the bravery or, or the um, or the brains <laughs> to be able to to research it and think about it like you have. So I think having that that page and and those tips and and, and stuff is just so invaluable to people like me who, you know, it, it gives us that hope that we can still lead a normal life. Why can't we? Why can't we yeah. do this? You know, pe- actually, it's other people that need to be more accommodating to us. <laughs> you know exactly. and because yeah. there's so many more people out there than I anyone realizes the amount of people that have messaged me since I've started doing this podcast going oh I've got a chronic illness too or oh I've got an invisible illness and you would just have no idea and I'm like there's so many people out there because mm-hmm. um, you just can't see just because you can't see it and that. and also there's this whole thing that people don't want to to share it because of the stigma because they're worried about their work or their friendships. And so it's easier to just kind of go, well, I'll just keep it to myself and maybe my closest friends and family will know, but you know, I I don't need to say it. And I think there is as well that, that slight um, struggle, which I have, which is, you know, I want to, I want to be open and honest about it. And I am, but there are times when I go, oh, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to be attention seeking or mm-hmm. I'm trying to be like, look at me, I'm different. It's like, no, it's, it, it's trying to find that balance of going, I'm being open and honest about it, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be attention seeking with it. And it's a very difficult balance to have. So, um, in terms of kind of your journey progressing from the diagnosis to, to where you're at now, how how did that happen? I know that you know you you mentioned that you um, were sort of ignored by a lot of medical profession uh, professionals, and I think a lot of us can can relate to that. It can be a very frustrating process, especially when you kind of go, "I'm not medically informed, but I know my body and I know something's yes. wrong," um, and it's very frustrating. So, how did you kind of work through that process to where you are now? Um, so. Luckily, I researched um, when obviously everything was subluxing. I kind of researched the right like keywords into Google. That yeah, told me about what Ellis Danlos syndrome was, and I was like, "Oh my god, that looks like me." Yeah. Um, and I think actually when my coccyx first subluxed, I'd actually gone um to my GP, asked for a, a referral to the rheumatologist, mm. and I think well, just in the UK, it's just unfortunate that the funding just isn't really there. Yeah. So I yeah. actually got that appointment 
nine months later and I was at wow. the point where I couldn't walk so wow. I had to go privately um yeah when I was googling it I found the London Hypermobility Unit um which I'm very lucky that I was living in London and so it was yeah local um and yeah I, I kind of had to go for a couple of appointments because there were so many tests to run um but the rheumatologist there and then was just like yes absolutely this is what you've got my mum actually has it too because it's genetic oh, really she went along with me and he was like oh do you have symptoms and she was explaining all of hers and he was like oh that actually helped my diagnosis because wow yeah by her having it it kind of uh, passes down and I think it's a little bit worse sometimes oh right um, okay genetically so did your so, mum have any idea or or did she know that she had it no, or no, oh wow she okay had um migraines and stuff like she'd uh only ever she kind of only ever worked in teaching before she had mm. us and then um didn't work after that but she'd always kind of get migraines and not realize yeah. why and like chronic fatigue and stuff yeah and just kind of she, ignored it almost yeah and yeah. everyone i think would just be like there's obviously like a stigma from family yeah of course stuff, yeah no one really understood why she couldn't but there's obviously the explanation now why <laughs> yeah um, wow that's amazing so then so then how did that kind of um progress into all the numerous conditions that you have now I I know you mentioned at the beginning that they kind mm-hmm. of all link together so is it a case yeah. of if you have one condition you will get all the others or is it just a high chance or how how does it work I think the probability is higher so with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome typically pops is kind of like I think because it's about it's connective tissue which is everywhere yeah um, it affects I think the blood vessels which or, or the heart rate POTS is basically an autonomic dysfunction yeah um that makes your heart rate go up abnormally when you stand up so like, oh, wow, okay. I always well often when I stand up I'll like get really dizzy and nearly faint and like oh, gosh. grab on things or just yeah sit down. um and that I think is just so common in EDS that he mm. um was like oh just from my symptoms was like yes you have POTS too right um and then obviously Marcel issues um also come hand in hand he just kind of I've always had allergies and stuff but um actually I mean that one is kind of like a suspected diagnosis that I'm still at the moment actually in the process yeah in the process of because it's so it's not there's not even any nice guidelines for Marcel activation syndrome on the NHS so it's like so um, rare and rare or not actually so rare because covid right. is making it worse for people or giving it to people oh really and actually i've my symptoms yeah i won't go into it too much but my symptoms following covid i had it in like march oh wow um, i've had like issues with swallowing and um having like, oh, wow. basically allergic reactions like mouth hives and throat swelling and like asthma attacks from like even drinking water so my body's oh, like gosh. reacting to everything and obviously I already probably most likely have already had Marcel because of all my allergies. Yes, yeah, but it's it. now worse. Yeah. So um, in terms of all of these um, conditions, is it all managed via kind of one department or do you have to have several different doctors, like a rheumatologist, dermatologist, that sort of thing? And is it is it kind of um, treatable with medication or is it a case of you kind of have to trial and error guess your way through it? Yeah, basically everybody with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, there isn't really well, there isn't like an official cure. Yeah. Um, and treatment is very much kind of whatever works like on an individual basis, and obviously mm. everyone's going to have different combinations that work for them. And the rheumatologist, so I kind of 
was diagnosed he kind of sent me to kind of lots of different kind of like a physio uh yeah. like podiatrist uh psychologist for kind of cbt he basically sent me in like lots of different directions um and then i've i'm kind of just like have all the tools now to manage it and yeah i know that if there's any issues i kind of go back obviously now i'm speaking to the immunologist mm. or allergy specialist about marcel um and kind of under the care for that but um it's basically like loads of lifestyle changes right um and so is that know, stuff you had to kind of figure out semi semi by yourself or mm-hmm. is it something that they kind of advised you on or is it sort of a very um individual basis I think it's an individual basis for kind of trial and error yeah but there are definitely things that um might help kind of that are more kind of generalized but obviously yeah it always depends person to person some mm. people might respond like better to medication some people can't um so it's kind of a focus on like yeah daily management of symptoms and pain yeah basically but then also kind of just like changes to your routine to like suit the flare-ups and stuff yes um so kind of very much adjusting your lifestyle and just perception about how your lifestyle can be to to managing it and how does that affect your your mindset because that's obviously quite a huge change you 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 have this plan um you know, you had this plan to to go traveling. You were going to work for two years, save up, travel. So obviously you're still able to travel. You've managed to find a way and, and you're now helping mm-hmm. others with that. But that must have been such a huge shift in your mindset. And and, and so how was your mental health and, and mindset mm-hmm. affected by all of that? So I kind of, when people are diagnosed, there are like, they say like stages of grief. Um, mm. And I definitely th- went through those. Um, they're not that's a really good way of putting it I've never heard of it like that yeah, but that's like such a good way online. yeah <laughs> that's such yeah. a good way I love that um so they're kind of denial anger bargaining depression and then acceptance yeah um and obviously when new symptoms come up like it's not always linear so you might experience like those emotions again and it's like yeah. not kind of just your acceptance and you're never going to go through those again very but random kind of like, yes that's yeah. kind of the generic um order of things of kind of accepting that it's not going to go away per se there's like no cure but you can like alleviate symptoms daily through like management strategies and just like doing your best to feel good and improve basically quality of life so Um, what tips and tricks do you have that that um I know I know it is very much an individual basis but mm -hmm. in terms of any tips or tricks that have worked for you that you could maybe recommend to people to to try and see if it helps them at all Mm mm-hmm um so I'd say I know we I talked about pacing already yeah um so it's kind of adjusting your routine for me it's like flexible working I try and do like freelance work now like yeah. I can't really manage a nine-to-five yeah um and just kind of managing my time according to my own symptoms and mm. like less working hours lots of breaks um a balance as well making sure I'm like not sitting too long or like not doing too much exercise either I kind of need to yeah like a minimum amount of like steps that I try and do per day yeah. but it kind of varies according to mobility because obviously it changes yeah to and that's quite a different things. lifestyle to the kind of mm-hmm. the go getting go 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 yes. go go um always in kind of full gear um uh, mindset and and lifestyle that you led pre all of this so how did you find it frustrating trying to 
to adjust to that kind of slightly slower, more go with the flow pace and and really kind of letting your body, in a sense, dictate what your day looked like and, and what your week and month looked like. Did you find that frustrating? Because um, I know that for me, that that would be very frustrating Definitely. in terms yeah. of wanting to achieve my goals each month and trying to mm-hmm. plan, but not really being able to plan. Yeah. How how would you, what sort of advice would you give to someone who, who is a bit like that and, and is feeling that frustration of knowing that they need to do a slower life, but they're struggling to adjust? Oh. It's a tough question, tough question. Um, (laughs) I think just the frustration kind of comes on like the anger level of, I guess, the the kind of maybe the anger. Grieving, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of that, I definitely had that for a while and I still get that and I still kind of get really angry at my body and I feel really frustrated that I'm maybe incapable of many things. Yes. it's That's only going to be a cycle to just increase your pain and just feeling angry at yourself. I don't think is yeah very helpful and it will just Mm. I think by so I know you're talking about mindset earlier I found that kind of thinking I don't want to say positively because it's not yeah thinking positively is going to make it go yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but just kind of there is definitely a correlation between mind and body and yes mindset so feeling frustration and horrible emotions towards your body because you can't do certain things it's only going to just make you more worked up and potentially cause more pain because that kind of releases stress um hormones and stuff which might cause yeah just further pain yeah. and symptoms so just kind of making sure that i don't know i found for me um very being very solutions focused to my symptoms um and trying to find like pain relief strategies but then also kind of for me, I found meditation and mindfulness just to help with like focusing on the moment, um, but also kind of yeah, just trying to like feel good. It, scientifically, it changes your brain waves. Oh, amazing! Um, it helps you feel like relaxed and calm, and like your brain. I don't know if you've heard of neuroplasticity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but so your brain can f- physically change. So imagine like lots of I don't know negative pathways in the brain um changes like shape doesn't it it can like it can grow and stuff can't it yeah so it's kind of maybe analogy is like a uh, like a dump of snow yeah um, on like a piece that has lots of like negative um I don't know you could call like the negative what's ski tracks yes Um, yeah and so by kind of changing your thought processes every day and like practicing um, things that kind of make you feel good, yeah. things that like uplift your mood, that can help um, literally rewire your brain so you can make new pathways. Yeah, like a habit, like ch- trying to get into better habits and more positive habits that make you feel good but also are, are good for your body as well, Yeah, that sort of thing. I love yeah. that. Um, so in terms of, um, I don't know if you this is something that you would suggest or not, but in terms of the whole travel side of things, would you mm. would you say to people that there is a big part of it which which involves still dreaming big and still dreaming, um, or not even dreaming, believing that you are able and you can still mm-hmm. do stuff? Would you say that that is a a big part of being able to kind of keep going and and moving forward? Yes, but also obviously being realistic about it. So if you want to, I don't know, have a big, big trip and you have like certain places that you want to go to. Yeah. Um, 
making sure that you kind of make sure that the itinerary and location like suits you well and yes you're not moving around lots and um because obviously you could like dreaming oh I want to go to Southeast Asia and move every other day and go yeah. to these locations yeah. that's just very unrealistic yeah so um, so adapting exactly, adapting to adapting, what you need like having yeah. the dreams like definitely and like aiming for it but just kind of making sure it's basically traveling in a in perhaps a different way to kind of more able smart traveling <laughs> yeah yeah fab um, and how, how do people get in touch with you because i'm sure that many people if they haven't already heard of you will be like oh i need to learn her ways i need to know all these places <laughs> that i can go to so how can people get in touch um so my instagram it's positively chronic travels i've got a facebook and a youtube which again positively chronic travels but just broken up into three words yeah um and then um my website I've got a website with everything all the resources on there um so it's positivelychronictravels.com amazing um, and so I'll pop that in the um in the bio as well so that everyone can yeah. get the direct links to that fab well is there any kind of words of wisdom that you have before we go or anything any kind of like motto or anything like that that you that you live by that kind of help really helps you to kind of keep going do you have anything like that? Yeah. Embrace your body and appreciate what it can do. I like um, that. I found kind of focus, as I was talking about, obviously, like the neuroplasticity, just kind of yeah. focusing on what your body can do, even if it's literally just like breathing one day. Yes. Like, yeah. Just feeling like love and like, yeah, n- nourishing your body and, and just appreciating everything that it does rather than focusing yeah. on, oh, it, it can't, I can't do this, I can't do yeah. that. Like, um, all the maybe perhaps limiting things. That, yeah, which um, goes in line with the positive mindset as well because it helps you think positively mm-hmm. about your body. I love yeah. that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. I thank feel inspired <laughs> and I'm sure that many people listening will be as well. So um, just to remind you, if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch via Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and there's a website as well. So definitely go check it out. I will pop all of the links in the bio so that you can um get straight onto those um, different forums and find out all of the information. Thank you so much and, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the latest episode. Now, I encourage you to come and be a part of the community. Have a Cover Unmasked has a private Facebook group, a safe space where you can come and ask questions, be open, share your tips and tricks with others. But overall, Be part of a community of like-minded people who, just like you, understand what it's like to live with an invisible illness. For more information on how to be a part of the group, either send me a DM on Instagram at helena.m.mitchell or simply search Have A Cuppa Unmasked on Facebook. So, until next time, stay safe, be kind to one another, and most importantly, remember that you are not alone.